Good day, all. Welcome to a new episode of Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to teach you Bible truth, help you grow in faith, and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Now, I want you to remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Praise God for another day and another opportunity to share his living word. I want to first welcome and thank my new listeners for tuning in because I receive new listeners every week. I appreciate each and every one of you. And as always, my faithful and consistent listeners who yearn for the truth. Welcome. Welcome all of you. I will be teaching from the traditional King James Version, and that is to those of you who don't know, who are unaware, I typically teach from the New King James Version. I think the last two episodes I will teach from the New King James Version, but I'll let you guys know. And the reason I tell you which version I'm using, because you may be following using another version of the Bible, and it's okay because in the end, we will be in the same place. Okay. So with that said, for those new listeners, this is a series. It started out being a nine episode series, but I changed it. I went over some notes, eliminated some notes and condensed it from nine to maybe seven series. And this is part four. Part four is entitled, how Jesus dealt with the traditions of man versus the commandments of God. I think that is so important. I was going to teach on being complete in Christ, but I'm going to make that the very last episode. And I will definitely be using the New King James Version throughout that episode. So with that said, let's get this truth on the road. Now, for our foundational scripture is going to be two. I am going to first read Matthew chapter 15, verse three. And then I am going to be reading Mark chapter seven, verses one through 13. Now, you all know for the sake of time, I will start reading immediately because I have all of my scriptures in order and you can pause the tape. You have that option. Pause the tape. Once you find the scriptures, you can resume. So I will be reading Matthew chapter 15, verse three first. But he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? And now I'm going to be reading Mark chapter seven, verses one through 17. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and a certain of the scribes, which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands, oft, O-F-T, means often, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things 
there be, which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups and pots and brazing vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? Oh boy, they were asking the wrong person. And I'm one of those people today. You better not ask me about a tradition in a denomination. I will attack you with the word of God. Um, but eat bread with unwashed hands. He answered and said unto them, Well, hath Esaias, meaning Isaiah, prophesied of your hypocrites, of you hypocrites, as it is written, and this is the Lord Jesus talking, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines of commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God. Ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother and whoso cursed father or mother, let him die to death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of non-effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered and many such like things do ye. Now, when the scribes and Pharisees attempted to rebuke Jesus with regard to the tradition of washings, the washing had not had nothing to do with what you and I do today, like wash our hands before we eat using soap and water. The washing of hands was a religious ritual developed by one of the the Mishnah rabbis in the first century B.C taken from his interpretation of Genesis 18 and four and see boy interpretation of scriptures. I tell you, if the Holy spirit is not leading you, you will misunderstand. Now, when Abraham used to fetch water for the Lord in order that the Lord and his two angels could wash their feet and be refreshed. This is what some of the, uh, the scribes and Pharisees were talking about in Genesis 18, four. Now I will be reading a lot of scripture throughout this episode, but I will also be sharing scripture with you for you to study later on because uh, throughout episode one, if you can remember, I said it is very impossible, virtually impossible for me to read during each episode, every scripture I studied for this particular episode. So I want you guys to have a pen and pencil ready so that you can write down some of these scriptures. The first scripture I want you to write down is Genesis 18 and four. So you can look at that later. Now in the Lord's day, the scribes and Pharisees would practice the tradition passed down to them by the rabbis of washing before a meal, ceremonially cleansing the pots and pans and utensils and their hands by reciting a prayer and pouring water over the vessels, hands and other items. Now, each one is done separately, depending upon the rabbinical school. This might be that prayer as it is, is recited by many Orthodox and, and ultra Orthodox Jews today. 
And this prayer is this. You may have heard it. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has given us the commandment of washing. Now, it is called rachaz or urchaz from the Hebrew word, which means wash. Now, the Holy Spirit moved Mark to use the Greek words paradosin, tune, and athropun, which means tradition of men. These are the very same words that the Holy Spirit moved Paul to use when, when writing to the believers in Colossae. Now, Colossians 2 and 8, I'm going to read. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, the apostle Paul was warning people, telling them to be aware not to follow these traditions because they have nothing to do with God. Okay. Now, paradosin from the Greek root word, paradisis, means surrender or give up. The word was typically used as a military term in reference to the surrender of a city under siege. Now, as a military term, it was also used as a term for passing instructions down from superiors to subordinates. Now, biblically, the term has been used in both a positive and negative context as the Lord Jesus and the apostle Paul used the tradition in the negative sense in Mark seven and Colossians two respectively. The apostle Paul also uses the same Greek word paradises in a positive context in second Thessalonians, second uh, Thessalonians two fifteen. Okay, go there. Remember, pause the tape. I'm going to read. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, Second Thessalonians 3, 6 says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Now, in the early years of the Christian church, there was a tremendous expectation of Christ's return. In one real sense, they weren't going about writing the New Testament. They had the Old Testament scriptures in Hebrew and in Greek. The foundation laid by the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone was passed down orally by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Tradition in the positive sense, meant passing down the gospel as faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you guys should know that's in Romans chapter 10, 17. Now, within the first two decades since Christ sent the Holy Spirit, the vain deceit and philosophies of men's tradition had infiltrated the tradition of, of the gospel truth. Now, nearly 2000 years later, our Christian faith faces both positive and negative traditions today. Yes, they do. Now, since Adam's fall, we have all had trouble with our traditions. Now, presumptions, prejudices, and preconceived notions have presented problems with regard to our Christian perspectives. Even Samuel and Isaiah, the prophet of God, had to learn that the Lord looks at the things or looks at things quite differently from an absolutely holy perspective. Now go to first Samuel 16 and seven. 
And after I read 1 Samuel 16 and 7, you can write this down. I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 through 9. So I am reading 1 Samuel 16, 7 now. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, which means his face or his facial expressions, or on the height of his statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So that eradicates um, racism and prejudices because God doesn't care how you look. He doesn't care what you wear. He doesn't care what the color of your skin is. That's man with racism. God looks at your heart. Now, if the creator of the universe and the heaven and the earth looks upon a man's heart, and determine whether or not he's going to accept him. And I say this, look, y'all already know I'm outspoken to hell with racist people who is looking at you and determining your character by the color of your skin. God looks at your heart. He wants to know whether or not his love is planted in your heart. Oh yes. By the Holy spirit. Now let's read Isaiah 55, eight and nine for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God doesn't think like us. We need to get that straight. God doesn't think like us, and God sets the order, but people are not following it. Well, uh, most people are not. So we often post pictures in children's Sunday school that may be somewhat misleading people. Now, I'm going to discuss some examples of how traditions have trapped our thinking. Tradition number one, Adam and Eve ate an apple. <laughs> the truth is, it may or not have been an apple. See, man want to always add a little something onto God's word. And when you add it, you change God's meaning. You change his, his thought process. You change his intent when you add something to God's word. Now, the Bible calls it pry, P-R-I-Y, which is the Hebrew word for fruit or uh, more precisely a product or produce. Genesis 3, 6 says this. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Now, where did th this scripture say she gave him an apple? Now, we all know that we have more fruit than an apple. It could have been an orange. It could have been a peach. It could have been a pear. It could have been a banana. But yet we are teaching kids in Sunday school that Eve gave her husband an apple. But that's not recorded in the Holy Scriptures. It's not. So we are talking about traditions of men. Now let's look at another tradition. Sarah Abraham's wife was a very old, feeble woman with wrinkles. And the truth of the matter is... Although she was old and had and had reached menopause, you can read that in Genesis 18 and 11. She was still an incredibly beautiful woman, so much so that the Pharaoh of Egypt wanted her for a wife. Write down Genesis 12 verses 14 and 15 so you can study later. And so did Abimelech. Yes, in Genesis chapter 20 verses 1 through 13, read those. He wanted her as well. Sarah was beautiful, even though she was up in age. Now, tradition also says this. Samson was a muscle bound bodybuilder type man. When the truth of the matter is 
Samson was more than likely an average guy. He was an average man, no different from any man other uh, or, or from any other man. Now, if he was large and muscular, the Philistines would not have been trying so desperately to find the source of his strength. Go to Judges chapter 16, verse five, and I'm going to read. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth. See, this is them trying to find out where he's getting his strength from, because if he was so muscle bound, they would know where his strength was coming from. Okay. And by what means we may prevail against him that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give the every one of us 1100 pieces of silver. They were even willing to bribe her and, and pay, pay for that knowledge to find out where his strength was coming from so that they can overtake him. That's pitiful. Now, tradition teaches us this, that three kings or wise men went to worship Jesus at the manger. When the truth is, first of all, they were not kings or wise men, but they were soothsayers and magicians. Okay, they were mediums. Now, it is translated as wise men in King James, in the King James version of the English Bible. You can read Matthew 2 and 1. Okay. Secondly, there were more than three people, and, and I believe a large uh, armed contingent, enough people to frighten Herod and Jerusalem. Matthew 2 and 3. Read that. The group was large enough that they had to take a different route home. Read Matthew 2 and 12. Three men could have easily slipped through Jerusalem unnoticed. Thirdly, the Magi, which are magicians or priests, did not find Jesus as a baby in the manger, but as a young child in a house. Read Matthew 2 and 11. Jesus was nearly two years old when the Magi found him. Read Matthew 2, 16. You see, you have to stick with this word, people, and stop allowing people to deceive you. My goodness, why? I have one question. And y'all send me the answer because I don't know it. Why people can't stick with the Bible? Why they can't stick with what's written? Why do people have to always add their, their opinion to something? My goodness. And another tradition. Jesus was handsome and charismatic. Now, the truth of the matter is Jesus was neither. Now, let's read Isaiah 53, 2 and 3, because Isaiah 53, 2 and 3 tells us how Jesus looked. OK, at the time he was walking the earth, he had no form or comeliness, meaning he was not attractive. And when we and when we shall see him, there is no beauty. You got to remember, Isaiah was prophesying the coming of the Messiah. So he was telling us how Jesus was going to look. OK, so when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. And we esteemed him not, meaning they didn't have no respect for him. The people, y'all saw how people treated Jesus. Mm -hmm. Y'all read, if, you, if the truth is being told in, in your perspective churches, y'all saw and heard how Jesus was being treated. If you study and to show yourself approved, 
Now, tradition, uh, tradition also says Jesus had long hair. Y'all see those pictures. I saw uh, one on social media earlier from some so-called Christian site. Jesus with long blonde hair and blue eyes and a beard. That's not true. For number one, Jesus was not European. He is not European white. He came from the lineage of David and Mary came from the lineage of David and her uh, and Bathsheba. Bathsheba was black in case y'all don't know. So Jesus didn't have white skin and he definitely didn't have blue eyes and blonde hair. Now, I may have another teaching because I'm receiving um, emails often saying, hey, can you teach about Jesus background background? Yeah, it's coming. But the most important thing is about the cross and the gospel. That's what saved where Jesus came from doesn't save us. You know, my show is about teaching the gospel and leading people to salvation through the cross. Okay. Now, the truth of the matter is the Holy Spirit moved Paul to write in first Corinthians eleven fourteen. Do it not even nature itself teach you that a man have that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. So Paul was distinguishing between uh, the Corinthian church where they had some men with long hair. And you have to remember the Corinthian church were were uh, con con converts from pagan worship who looked all kinds of ways. But you have to also remember that Jesus Christ kept the entire law of Moses. He was the only human flesh to do it. So he didn't have long hair. OK, now let's look at. um uh, what did I say? That was first Corinthians eleven fourteen. Let me read that again. Do it not even nature itself teach you that a, if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. Now, some may object and argue that Jesus had long hair because he had the Nazarite vow upon him. Citing Matthew two and 23 and number six and verse five. Now I'm not going to go through that. But I'm telling you, Jesus kept the entire laws of Moses, which required his hair to be short. So, OK, now you can do your own research, but um, I'm not going to really go into detail about that until I teach that little mini series about where Jesus came from. So you some of you may ask, why do I even bring these up, these things up now? Do they really make that much difference? Well, what an absolutely horrid condition our thoughts have become to express such a thing. Now, as those conversations grew, the bottom line for my objectors was that many of them have the perspective that the salvation of men is the primary concern of God, i.e. the ultimate benefit of man. It's not. It's not. What it comes down to is that we use these pictures and images and visual aids that is cling to these traditions because we don't recognize that we are so totally depraved and utterly wrenched apart from the Holy Spirit of God that we don't act as if we actually believe the word of God that we don't act as if we believe that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh that we don't act as if we believe that the cross of Christ is the all sufficient, absolutely holy and awesome work of God that we don't act as if we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is sufficient enough to save lives and transform souls 
through the preaching of the gospel that Christ was crucified and then the teachings of God's word. We don't act like we know this. In short, we think the preaching of the cross needs our help. That's the arrogance of man. Most think that since we are the arms and legs of the body of Christ, God is too weak to get it done without us. <laughs> oh boy, I'll tell you. Well, that's blasphemy in my opinion. In America, we testify against ourselves as Christian believers, behaving as if God's gospel were powerless. Shame on us. Shame on us. The cross of Jesus Christ is the holiest work of God in the entire universe for all ages. Now, God doesn't need our tricks and methods or gimmicks, you know, to adorn, enhance or beautify the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures. Now, in Galatians 6, 14, it tells us the importance of the cross of Christ. And I am reading right down Galatians 6, 14. I'm getting ready to read that. I'm getting ready to go through here and read uh, several scriptures. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Now, first Corinthians chapter two, verses one and two says this. Now, Paul in writing to the church at Corinth, the apostle Paul said this, and I am and, and I brethren, when I came to you came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul is saying, I'm not co coming to you with no eloquent speech. So the attention can be on me. I, When I come to you, I tell you about Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm not putting on a show. I'm not going on stage. It's not even the pulpit anymore. I'm not going on stage saying lights, camera, action. And then some director saying, cut. No, uh -uh. Paul said, when I come to you, I come to you preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Now, the ex-Pharisee, which is Paul, he was an ex-Pharisee, may have been the foremost theologian of his day. He was the thinker's thinker. Yet in confronting the, the divisiveness within the church that he spent one and a half years planting and nurturing, he stated that the most important issue an individual is faced with is the cross of Jesus Christ. The Corinthians disputed over whether one was a follower of Paul or Apollos or Cephas, meaning Simon Peter or of Christ. And look at first Corinthians one uh, chapter one, verse 10 through 12. Paul reminded them of the central issue of the faith. That's what the leaders are supposed to be doing in the body of Christ today. Man, I heard a show one time. I forgot it was supposed to be a, a, a Christian uh, show. It was supposed to be a sermon. And I'm like, what is he talking about? What did I thought I was watching a movie. It sure, certainly didn't have nothing to do with God or Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, the cross of Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ is the center of all human history and the central theme of the entire Bible. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now I'm getting ready to read first Peter um, chapter one, verses 18 through 21. OK, because you have to remember 
The cross of the Christ was planned before the foundation of the world. Yes, it was. Listen to this. The cross of Christ was God's plan from before he created the world. You need to understand that. Now I'm getting ready to read it to you in scripture. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the previous blood or with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily meaning truly was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Oh, see this sends chills through my body. Oh yes. The cross of Christ was preached by Jesus from the beginning of his early ministry. Go to John chapter three, verses 14 through 15. Jesus said, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man talking about himself be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Oh yes. Oh yes. First Corinthians 15 and three also says the cross of Christ was prophesied in scripture. I'm trying to get y'all to understand that. Okay. First Corinthians 15 and three. This is the apostle Paul talking. You got to remember who was chosen out of due time away from the rest of the apostles. Jesus Christ handpicked Paul after his resurrection. Paul was on the road to Damascus. Y'all know his testimony. He was on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians when he met Jesus head on from the sky. Oh, yes. Jesus stopped him and dead in his tracks and said, you know what? That same energy you are using to persecute Christians. You're going to use that same energy to preach the gospel. And my, have Paul done a wonderful job. He has written the majority of the New Testament scriptures. So if you don't believe none of the other apostles, you better believe Paul. Look at how he was converted after the resurrection. First Corinthians 15 and three. See, sometime I get excited. I be forgetting. I'm not before a, a live audience preaching because I cut loose in front of a live audience. Okay. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Now, the cross of Christ was proved, proven to be true by the resurrection. And let's look at first Corinthians 15 and four and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And again, in first Corinthians 15, 14, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain because without the resurrection, honey, there is no salvation. Forgiveness of sins is at the cross. He took every punishment that you and I deserve for the sins we committed against God. You better, you need to know Jesus is more than a teacher, more than a prophet, more than just the son of God. He was the lamb of God, the sacrificial blood, the atonement for our sins. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, first Timothy two, five and six tells us this. For there is one God 
and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And again, he says in John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Now, y'all can ignore that all you want and follow any religion that you hear that sounds good to you. But Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Because if you are not accepting the atonement, the sacrifice of, of, of the blood of Jesus, so that you can be reconciled to God, you will never be reconciled to God trying to go through a back door. You will never be. Now, the cross of Christ is the work of God by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Honey, you can't go around saying how much you've done. Mm -mm, God not looking at that. He looking at whether or not you accepted what his son did on that cross. Yeah, that's what God is looking at. Now, First uh, John 4.19 says this. We love him because he first loved us. No one can say that he loves God unless it is a response to the revelation of God's love toward us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Look at John First John 4 and 10, it says this, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, I'm getting ready to read Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and verses 8 through 10. Okay, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, Jesus' blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That is powerful. You guys, you need to know who Jesus is. That's why I'm doing this series. People don't know. Hey, baby, he is not an option to get to God. He is the option. He is the only option. Now, when the Holy Spirit reveals to us the gravity of our sin next to Christ's righteousness, read John 16, 8 and 11. We are awakened to the truth of God's love. John 3, 16. We all know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who shall ever believeth in him should not perish. Now, the more we realize the magnitude of God's forgiveness through the cross, the greater love we have for him, as it is written in Luke 7, verse 47, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Oh, yes. Now, Proverbs 17, 15 tells us about the character of God. It says, he that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. Oh, yes. Now, the cross of Jesus Christ is where the wrath of God meets the grace of God.
the cross of Jesus Christ is where the justice of God meets the mercy, the mercy of God. Now, Leviticus 19, two says this, speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, ye shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. Now, because God is a holy God, because he is a just God, he required the life of a sinless, righteous sacrifice, a sacrifice without spot or blemish. That sinless, perfect sacrifice came by the blood and death of Jesus Christ. Okay, now Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11 and 12 tells us this. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Leviticus 17, 11 tells us this. For the life of the flesh in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your, for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now to belittle the cross of Christ would slander the character of God. For it would imply that God is not holy. It would imply that his justice is not righteous. In other words, to preach that God forgives sins by any other method than through the cross of Christ is actually preaching another gospel. And we are told specifically in 2 Corinthians 11, 4 and Galatians 1, 8, that there is no another gospel. It, this is it. Jesus Christ is the only gospel. Now to give the cross of Christ a lesser place in our hearts or our theology would slander the character of God. It would imply that, that the grace of God demonstrated through the cross is insufficient and needs our help. Now the cross of Christ not only redeems the relationship between fallen man and his holy creator, but it reconciles the truths of God that seem to us to be at odds with one another. Only in the cross of, of Christ do we find this, the God of love who hates sinners, the God of mercy that punishes the guilty, the God of grace who remains just, the God of creation that destroys evil, the God of patience that casts out the wicked, the God of peace that wages war upon iniquity, the God of humility who manifests his glory, the God of compassion who perfects men through tribulation, the God of Savoyan power who works through means, the God of eternal joy who becomes the man of sorrows. Now in conclusion, saints, if we would only cling to him and submit to the spirit of Christ as much as we did our e erroneous traditions, we might find ourselves walking in the spirit moment by moment in the spirit's power with the reality of the truth that the cross of Jesus Christ, according to God's holy word, is all that matters in the universe. Therefore, when we preach the cross, express God's truth read God's word, teach our children and, and so forth. We don't need to draw pictures, paint portraits, show videos, creatively demonstrate or use ingenious and, and appealing tricks, methods, or gimmicks for it to be understood by those that hear it. 
When we operate in such a way by the power of God's spirit, it's called faith. So then faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17, write it in your hearts. Now Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six and eight and Proverbs 22 and six is in reference to what I'm getting ready to say as a final note. As far as our children are concerned, when we teach the truth of Christ crucified to them in diligence and godly fear, when we talk with them, sit with them at home, walk with them in the way when they go to bed and, and when they rise, if we bind the truth as signs upon their hands and keep the truth as frontlets for their eyes, if we write it upon our doorposts and gates, when the truth is preached and the children see the reality of the truth expressed daily in their parents or their guardians in their lives, as well as in the lives of those uh, their parents have fellowship within the church, you know, cause children look at who parents hang out with when we preach the truth and show them the truth through our lifestyles and through our message. Oh, by God's grace, they will not depart from the truth when they are old. And I want to mention these two scriptures again. See Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six through eight and Proverbs 22 and six. And my sisters and brothers, I enjoyed sharing that message with you. And I want you to stand by for an invitation to accept Christ Jesus, if you haven't already. And my closing remarks. To everyone who hears this message, including those who profess to having accepted Christ, but don't possess his spirit, and to the non-believers who are chasing religion looking for God, tomorrow is not promised to you. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. There is no other way to get to God outside of Christ. There is no back door. I want you to read John chapter 14 verses one through six. All you have to do to secure your salvation in Christ is to say this simple prayer one time and mean it. Father God, I am a sinner in need of salvation. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And because I confessed and believe this in my heart, God, your word says, I'm saved. Amen. If you said this simple prayer, my friends, you have just been saved by grace. Yes, it's just that simple. If you were sincere, you should feel a change in your heart right now. You now have free access to God. You are a saint, a believer, and most importantly, a child of the Most High God. I encourage you to join a faith-based teaching church. Continue to listen to Learning Bible Truth so you can grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Renew your mind with the Word of God so you can establish a relationship with Him. 
God wants you to enjoy life, laugh, love, forgive, and treat everyone you encounter with compassion, dignity, and respect. Now stand by for my closing remarks. Pray that you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially because you feel we have been a blessing to you, go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, or Radio Public, and contribute an amount of your choice. Now, until next time. Remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.